Hello everyone, welcome to the Refuge family. We are joining you again through our online streaming service and it's just great to have you all here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just I just come before you today, Lord, and I just come humbly before your throne, Lord, and I just ask, Lord, that we would hear from you, Lord, we would hear from your Holy Spirit, Lord, that as we dig into your word, Lord, as we look at this, it's very interesting, this very profound point in your life, Lord, the point of your trials and your arrest and Peter's betrayal and the story of Judas, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, that we would just Take the time just to quiet our minds, just to get rid of all the distractions around us, Lord. And just to dig deep into your word, Lord. And your Holy Spirit would just minister to, to us, Lord. That we would learn something that we didn't know before. We'd learn more about you and your character and how much you love us, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, as my words would not be my words, but they would be your words, Lord. Through your Holy Spirit, this message, Lord, would be taught. Lord, I just thank you. I just pray, Lord, that you just bless everyone here today, Lord. Just just teach us, Lord. Just minister to us. Just love on us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, it's been so interesting as we've been studying these different passages in this different season in Jesus' life. It's like, you know, he's, Jesus, he's right there. He's right before the cross. He's The time is so near that he is going to allow himself to be placed on that cross for all of our sin. I'm just so amazed at how many different lessons. Uh, I've, just, I've learned so much from this study that we've been going over through this last few months. We've heard, just seen huge lessons of faith and prayer. We've seen some real life examples from the disciples, from Jesus just showing us what it is truly to be a disciple of Jesus, what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, as we have read this and we have studied this and looked at that in God's Word, we've seen there's been a, a very turbulent time. There's been a lot of emotion. There's been some fear. There's been a lot of excitement, even some anticipation, and also some real some disappointments. But it, I just found it amazing. We get a front row seat as we read our Bibles, and we see... And we just get to watch, like, like with our own cameras, this transitional time in Jesus' life. And also with the disciples. They were going through a lot. And I see this, and I've been reading this, and I've been studying it, and we've been teaching it each week. I see such a parallel to what the disciples were going through to our lives today. You know, the disciples, you look at that, what's been going on with them, right? They've given three years to this ministry with Jesus. Now everything has been flipped upside down. They've... You know what's happened? They just got sideswiped. Nothing now was going as they had hoped. Nothing was going as they had planned. Everything has changed. I think a lot of us today can relate to this. Especially lately. I feel like I got derailed in my life. Uh, I feel like even at times it's been almost a little bit of a train wreck. Uh, just everything has gone differently than I thought it would go. So now there's days where I kind of sit and I feel just like I've gotten derailed in my life, in my plans. And I don't know if I'm supposed to get back on the track or what I'm supposed to do, kind of sit on the sidelines sometimes. I think that, you know, these disciples, you think about it. Think of all they're going through. Jesus had just got arrested. I think they just got completely thrown off the train they were riding. Now they're also sitting on the sidelines, sitting beside the tracks, wondering what just happened. Why? What do we do now? 
they I'm sure they didn't know if they should get back on that train or even where the train was going or where the tracks would lead. Their future was very, very unclear. And unfortunately, as we've seen in these passages, their faith had wavered. You know, I think about, again, like our own life, this, this COVID-19 and this political climate going on in the U.S. and the different things going on in this country in Myanmar. It's also, I think I can relate to the disciples. I, I think I can feel the same way, just not knowing what was going on or which path to be on, feeling like I got completely derailed. I mean, before this happened, we were all just kind of cruising along. I felt like I was really walking with God. I felt like I was really in the will of the Lord. Then all of a sudden, the train that I was riding just came to a complete stop. Everything in my life changed overnight, and nothing has been the same since. You know, I don't think it's going to start moving like it was anytime soon again. I think that as I look about it and I think about it, all my plans and my ambitions and what I considered normal in my life, it's pretty much kind of gone right now. I, I'm not sure. I think a lot of us are in the same place, just like the disciples. We can look back and we can think about it and just wonder, how did this all happen? We can look back down these tracks and this path of life that we've been on and wonder, are we going to get back on this train? Is it even going to be the same track, the same path? And where will it lead next? I was so convinced I kind of had it figured out before, but you know, now I'm just not really not sure. You know, I think if I talk to my friends and my brothers and sisters, I think so many of us act and react so differently to the last four months, to the different experiences and the different challenges that each of us has faced. What I do know for, I believe for all of us, this is really a, a time, a tra time of transition. I talked about it last week. The world around us, I believe, will never be the same. I believe in so many ways. And you think about that, the disciples in Jesus' time, same thing with what was going on in the disciples' lives and what Jesus was about to do. The world would never, ever be the same. This was a great transition. Everything was changing. Now, Jesus, he knew about this with the disciples. He knows about us today. And he had warned the disciples of this time. Just as he's warned us, the trials each of us, we will face. And the different seasons in life that we will face. So as I really expound on this and we look at this, I want to ask you, how are you walking through these times? Today as we get into the test, we're going to look at two different sinners, but two sinners with two very different outcomes. And why? Now think of this personally. What will be the outcome in your personal life from the times that you're walking through right now? Has these times caused you to stumble? Or even has your faith wavered? We're going to get into the text in just a minute, but I, I just want to think of that again. Think what was the difference between Peter and Judas's sin and the outcome in their life? Think about that. You've got your Bibles. Let's open them up to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be in verse 69 starting today. Let's read the first few verses here. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Now, remember the context of what was taking place. Jesus, he's been arrested. Most all the other disciples had ran away, except we know that Peter and John are here. 
And now Peter, he's already been found guilty by the high priest. And it's still very early in the morning. And this is where we're picking up the story in these first few verses. Peter, he's outside in this courtyard, just outside of these officials' homes. Just imagine. Imagine yourself in the story. Imagine what Peter was going through. Put yourself in his shoes. What was he looking at? What was he experiencing? Imagine what he was thinking of as he had just denied Jesus. Imagine his own words, his own statements that he had made flashing through his mind. You remember some of the statements that Peter had just made that very night? He said to Jesus, Even if everyone else departs you, I will never desert you. Or what about when he told Jesus, Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Or what about when Jesus rebuked Peter earlier? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Or what about when Peter had stood up and tried to fight? Remember with the sword? What did Jesus tell him? Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantaneously. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that would describe what must happen now? I'm sure Peter wholeheartedly wanted to be true to his word. I'm sure his heart was to serve the Lord. I'm sure that we would all say the same, right? We would say that we have the same intentions as Peter to follow Jesus no matter the cost, no matter what's taking place in our physical world around us. I think all of us, we desire to be the person that God has called each one of us to be. But we just saw, look what we saw in them verses. Peter has just been confronted by a servant girl. This girl, this servant girl asking him if he was with Jesus. This girl, I don't think she was even a threat. She didn't come hostily towards Peter, saying, I'm going to turn you in, or I don't see any of that. But yet, Peter, he denied knowing Jesus. You know, a quick note before we move on. As we read in John last week, you know, we read that this first denial from Peter, that this happened at Ananias' house. And then in the next verse we read, as we're going to get into, we see that the second denial is at Caiaphas' home. Now, that this is true. Both of this is true. I'm sure this was a very large compound that they were in. And this courtyard that Peter and these servants were in probably would have served the different religious leaders' homes. So let's see. Let's see what's going to happen in the next few verses. Let's look at verses 71 and 72. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of the Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. Peter's denial, his sin, it was growing. This time he says it so profoundly with an oath, which he meant, basically, what if you look at it, he invoked a curse on himself if he was lying about knowing Jesus. Fear was growing inside of Peter's heart. His faith was wavering. He was looking around the world, looking at all the things taking place around him, and I think that if I could put myself in Peter's shoes, I felt I feel that he probably felt the world was just closing in around him as each person started to confront him. I think fear, it had a stronghold on Peter. And I'm sure Satan was speaking to Peter, 
installing doubt in his mind, and Peter's faith had wavered. In fact, let's look, it talks about this here a little bit in Mark. Let's turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 68. Verse 68, but Peter denied it. I don't even know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out to the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. We see in this passage that Peter had a warning. After his first denial, Peter should have heard God's rooster crowing. I think that rooster was sending a message to Peter, warning him. But Peter, I don't even think he, I don't even know if he really heard the rooster, rooster speaking to him because he was so blinded by his fear and following his flesh. So two strikes now, two denials. Let's see how the rest of the story is going to play out. Let's look at verse 73 and 74. A little while later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Judeans, these Jewish people, they, these, especially the Judeans, they thought the Galileans didn't speak Hebrew correctly. They had a funny accent, they believed. Maybe they did, I'm not sure. But these Judeans, they held prejudice against the Galileans. And they could tell who they were because of their accent. You know, as I look at this and I think about this, I see this happen right here in this country today. I know some Myanmar people that are from different tribal groups, and they're Burmese, they have an accent, and they're judged because they're, they, some people say they're not true Burmese, and they can tell because of their accent. So these servants, they were connecting Peter with Jesus because of his accent. Now Peter, he was so full of fear. So much. Look what he did. He spoke a curse upon himself if he was lying, swearing or promising before God and to those around him saying, God's wrath to strike me down if I am lying. The fear had to have been tremendous in Peter. And then... God used a rooster to preach to him. And this time Peter heard the rooster crow. A, a rooster's words brought Jesus' words to Peter's remembrance. You know, Jesus, Jesus, God, they use so many different ways to speak to us. Here, he's using a chicken, right? We read before in our Bibles, he's even used a donkey. Jesus' words would bring Peter to repentance. We're going to see that in verse 75. Let's see that. Verse 75. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Now, as we look at this, there's three stages I see to Peter's denial and to Peter's sin, really. First, he acted confused. If you look back at that passage, you can look back. He tried to divert attention from himself and change the subject. Second, he, he used an oath. He denied that he knew Jesus. Then third, we just read, he begins to curse and swear against it. No believers, some of us even today, those who would deny Christ because of their situation, because of fear, would often follow this same kind of pattern. Doing so by subtly, by pretending not to know Jesus. But then the problem is, it can progress can progress as Peter's sin did. How quickly fear turned into sin. Only hours, think about this, 
Only hours before, Peter was standing up for Jesus, pulled out a sword in the middle of Roman and Jewish soldiers, slashed off a guy's ear. Lucky he's not very good with the sword. Maybe we'd be reading a different story. But either way, think of that. He stood up boldly for Jesus. But yet, we just read in the passage today, only hours later, Peter is so fear, full of fear, he cowers to a servant girl. Why? And look at Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each one of you like wheat. Verse 32. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter's faith had wavered. And because of this, he had listened to Satan's lies. You know, I think about this in my own life. How true this can be for even myself. My faith can waver and I can start listening to the lies of Satan. You know, how many times as I think about it, that I've become fearful? How many times have I told God, I will never do this, or I promise I will do this for you, Lord? Each time with a sincere heart, surely as Peter had also, but then later stumbling just as Peter did, allowing my flesh, my fear, to overcome God's will or plan for my life. You know, whenever this takes place, really what I'm doing is I'm denying Jesus in my life. Sometimes by my actions, or sometimes even by my own words. When this happens, I've stumbled also, just as Peter. Maybe, I assume it would happen to you too. We stumble at times. So then what do you do? Peter is in quite a spot now. I think if we know the story of Peter, we follow his examples. We see he repents. He turns back to Jesus. We know from reading our Bibles that Peter was restored. And we know he was used by God in mighty, mighty ways, in huge ways. And I believe Peter could look back at this and he can come to remember and to reflect on how weak he was in this situation and how he failed. But then, looking at that weakness, he would surrender even more and more to Jesus, knowing that he's got to put his faith in Jesus, knowing that we have to put our faith in Jesus. And I'm sure now he wouldn't be asleep. He would be praying. He'd be praying that he through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to resist the temptations of this fallen world that we live in. So Peter is left now, left the courtyard. But remember, Jesus is still in their custody. So let's continue here. Back in Matthew, we're going to go to chapter 27. Look at the next two, two verses. Let's see what's going on with Jesus. Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. They bound him led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. This was the final Jewish sentencing of Jesus. But under the Roman rule, they couldn't carry the sentence out. They couldn't put him to death themselves. So they brought now Jesus before Pilate. We'll learn a lot more about this and his trial before Pilate and before the Romans. But right now, as this is taking place, there's something else going on. Something else taking place. Meanwhile, Let's look at verses 3 and 4. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and elders. Verse 4. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. I think as we look at this, I think some of the different versions of your Bibles have different words. So I want to look up 
the Greek word, and, and see how it's translated. Some Bibles say repented himself. Some say remorse in verse 3. Um, but if we look at the Greek and look at the definition of this word in its original context, it said, it's stated like this, not a sorrow for sin that leads to change of mind and action, but a regret of being caught, a remorse that led to great despair. I also I want to look at this verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. When Jesus, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, Judas was afflicted in mind and troubled for his former folly, and with remorse, with little more than selfish dread of the consequences, he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. It's true. Judas was remorseful. He was very, very sorry for what he's done. That is not the same as repentance. I want to look at that. Look at second. Let's turn to your Bible. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. You know, I also want to look up, look at the, the response from the religious leaders in these passages. Turn back there. Judas, he's remorseful. He's returned back to the religious leaders. He's returned to the priest. And he's exclaiming, he's telling them, I've sinned. But these religious leaders, rather than helping them find forgiveness, what did they say? They said, that's your problem. These priests' jobs, these religious leaders' jobs was to teach people about God. They were at, to act as intercessors for them. They were supposed to help people turn from their sin and find forgiveness. These leaders, these priests, not only had they rejected Jesus, the Messiah, they've also rejected their role as a priest. You know, I'm going to tell you too, very sadly, this still happens today. Instead of people turning people to Jesus, they only do this for their own selfish reasons. Let's see Judas' reaction in verse 5. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. What a statement Judas makes here. Judas throws back the money, putting it back in the hands of the religious leaders. Judas, he knew he had done wrong. And he knew, he knew Jesus was innocent. He was so full of regret and remorse, it tells us here he took his own life. He never gave his life to Jesus. He took his sin upon himself and paid the price, death. Our sin, it's too much for each of us to handle. And Judas couldn't carry that burden for what he had done and committed suicide. If you were to read in Acts, it tells you a little bit more about that in Acts 1.18. It gives you some more detail of what took place there. And it tells you that Judas's body, it would have, his guts would have been spilled out. It's very graphic. And I'll tell you, I, if you, a body decays and sits for several days outside, it gets very swollen. And as that happens, the birds and the animals would come. And I'm sure at some point, I don't, we don't know exactly how it happened, but his guts would have been spilled out, hanging, or maybe he fell from sitting in there in decay. A very gross test, death. One that didn't need to happen, I guess. I mean, we know it, it had to happen because of prophecy, but he took on his own sin. Let's turn back, back to Matthew. Now look, let's look at verses 6 through 8. 
The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called Field of Blood. Wow. Judas, think about that 30 pieces of silver. Judas had sold out Jesus for the price of a slave. Then in remorse, Judas had thrown the money in the temple floor and left, and then gone and committed suicide. Now, as you see here, the Jewish law forbid or the permit of this use of kind of money, this blood money, for the temple purposes. And these religious leaders, they were so careful to observe this law, why they were guilty of, of sentencing Jesus, of sentencing an innocent man to death. They were truly hypocrites. Let's finish up with these last few verses, 9 and 10. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says, They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. Now, you may not notice here, but it's interesting. Why did Matthew relate this event in prophecy in Jeremiah when the prophecy is actually found in Zechariah? I've read some commentaries and looked it up, and one of the commentaries said, one possible solution is that the prophecy was spoken by Jeremiah and become part of the Jewish oral tradition. It was later than spoken by Zechariah. You know, there's some other explanations given. I'm not really sure. It doesn't really concern me, honestly. I'm not sure why there's a difference there. But what I really want to focus on is today we, we looked at two sinners, Peter and Judas, but two very, very different outcomes. And I asked you earlier, I asked you some questions. I asked you, what will be the outcome in your life from these times that you're in? I asked you, have you stumbled lately? Has your faith wavered? What was the difference between Peter and Judas's sin and the outcome? I would like to close in, by looking at these. And Peter and Judas, two men who both sinned against Jesus. What was the difference, though, between the two? Judas betrayed Jesus, sold him out to the religious leaders for the price of a slave. But then Judas, he came to a place of deep remorse, even giving the money back. He confronted the leaders, even professed that Jesus was innocent. But then Judas, so full of regret, hung himself. He committed suicide. Now think about Peter. He denied Jesus three times. Even to the point of saying, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man. Could you imagine responding this way if someone asked you if you were a follower of Jesus? Looking at the story, it's, it's pretty apparent to me, I believe. It's, I don't think Peter was even in any obvious danger at the time. This wasn't his trial. But Peter, in fear, he stumbled. He stumbled hard. And he caved into his own selfish self-preservation. He caved into fear. Peter was more concerned with what the world would do to him than his relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we know that Peter did come to repentance as the Holy Spirit reminded him through a rooster of Jesus' words to him. And he wept bitterly. 
We know as we read our Bibles that later Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he became one of the greatest leaders in our early church. He wrote part of our Bible that we're reading today. So two different men, each that had sinned against God. Why such different outcomes? Both had sinned. Why today are people naming their children Peter and not Judas? Why was Judas an apostate that killed himself while Peter is a leader in our church? who we say backslid a few times. Why was one saved and the other one condemned? Was it because of their actions? Or was it because one sin was greater than the other? No. The difference is that Peter surrendered to Jesus. Peter had put his faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Peter had truly, truly repented of his sin and turned to Jesus. Judas, he was remorseful of what he had done. But he never surrendered himself to Jesus. He never came to faith in Jesus. He knew he was innocent, but he never placed his faith in Jesus. Coming to know that you're a sinner before a holy God and remorse for your actions is two very different things. Changing your lifestyle or even stopping certain sins because it's causing you problems in your life or producing things that you don't want is very different than becoming than coming before God in faith and repenting of your sins. Not because of the results of your earthly life, but because you serve a holy God who demands obedience and holiness. We obey God with all of our body, soul, and spirit and love through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's the difference. Peter, he learned, I'm sure, some extremely important lessons during this difficult experience. He learned to pay attention to the word, to Jesus' word, to watch and to pray, and not to put his confidence in his own strength. I, we know Peter, he truly repented, and then Jesus restored him. But Judas didn't repent, which led him to a suicide. We need to learn from this story. We need to follow Jesus' instruction and his example. We need to be in prayer. We need to be submitted to the Father's will. And we need to be prepared for whatever Satan will throw at us. We live in a fallen world. We don't want to be like Peter in this, denying Christ when we face tribulation. But we can also know that we can, when we do mess up, when we do stumble, God's always there with open arms. We just need to turn from our sin. We need to come to Him and confess our sin to our Lord. I just, I'm so amazed when I see this and I think about this and I look at Peter. Grace. Wow. That same grace and that same mercy that each of us are blessed with through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if we will come to faith in Him unlike Judas. This story to me, just seeing this two people, Judas and Peter, two different stories, two sinners, but two different outcomes, just reminds me of all the people out there looking in at our lives. I just pray that they would see that grace just poured out in our lives. So they see it upon Peter and see that God uses many different things to remind us when we are backsliding or uh, falling into temptation. He used a rooster to remind Peter of his words, to remind him of what he was doing. So maybe God's speaking something into your life today, reminding you. You know, as we look at these different times that we're facing with uh, different lockdowns and work situations and school situations, the question I have for all of us is just, what's our reaction to it? Are we still in fellowship? Or have we backslidden as our faith wavered? It's never too late. 
is to turn back to God, to come before him like Peter did and just weep bitterly before him at his feet. Lord, I thank you for joining us here at the Refuge family. I just I pray that you would be safe. I pray that you're blessed this week. And you continue just to fellowship with the Lord in prayer and just pray for his protection. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for your willingness, Lord, just to pay the price of my sin, Lord. But as we see this story, Lord, just a travesty of what happened to Judas, who never truly repented, never came to faith, but then to see the glory and the mercy and the grace that you just gave Peter, Lord, just because, Lord, he would repent. He would turn to you, Lord. He surrendered to you, Lord. An imperfect man, Lord, before a perfect God. Lord, I just thank you for this, Lord. What a reminder. What a reminder. Lord, just be with us this week, Lord. Protect us all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to worship with another song. Please just turn up your volume, sing out loud, and just worship our Lord and Savior. God bless you. Have a great week.